Hello, and welcome to episode 261 of Smarts, which as we all know stands for Shocking Marvel Announcement Reveals Tons of Shows. Oh boy! Ooh. Finish the intro. My name is Rediger Q Podcaster, aka Trevor, Hello. and your name is... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. Correct. Yeah. So we've got a lot of news this week. Do we? Yes. Okay. A lot of Disney news. <laughs> um, so it wasn't really touched on because... There are rumors, although there are reports, which are like one step up from rumors and one step down from announcements. Uh, Air quotes around Surrounding reports. the third uh, Tom, Hall- Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man movie about all sorts of crazy casting rumors. Um, everybody from Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst to Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx. I just saw a thing today that said... Um, I'm blanking on his name, Willem Dafoe uh-huh. and Thomas Hayden Church, who played Sandman in the third Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, are, are also both in talks to join this movie. So it's like everybody who is ever in a Spider-Man movie. Oh, wow. Um, and all of this is unconfirmed, but the fact that they said at the big Disney investor meeting that we're going to talk about in a second that the third Spider-Man movie will tie into the Doctor Strange multiverse movie really makes it sound like the third Spider-Man movie is going to be like a whole you know into sort of like a spider-verse live action spider-verse basically Mm -hmm. um featuring returning stars from all the past movies Mm -hmm. which is cool yeah i didn't see any i didn't see the two andrew andrew garfield spider-man movies now i kind of want to see it in preparation for this so i'll have some connection to those versions of the characters yeah um but obviously i saw all three sam raimi spider-man movies yeah um yeah but i mean this would be cool it's it's like it'd be it's a Seems like a weird direction to go after the second one and everything it's set up, but I trust that they're going to be able to tie it all together. Um, there's also, like I said, a, a ton of Star Wars and Marvel news coming from this Disney investor meeting that they had. Um, I've got a special plan for the Marvel news in a second, so let's just touch on the Star Wars news. So they revealed something like 10 TV series and several movies that are going to come out over the next few years. The movies, there's way less information on. Um, Still nothing on the seemingly still out there Ryan Johnson helmed trilogy that may or may not still be happening. Um, They briefly mentioned Taika Waititi's movie, Mm -hmm. which is still a ways off. We knew about that. It got brought up again here. But we got confirmation on something that, to my knowledge, wasn't even rumored, which is that Patty Jenkins is going to be doing a live-action Rogue Squadron movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be the next Star Wars movie. So it's going to come out, I, I think, 2023. Mm-hmm. So uh, the question is, is she going to do Wonder Woman 3 before this or not? Um, it would suck to have to wait like six years for the next Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's exciting. I mean, everybody loves X-Wing pilots and, and dog, Star Wars dogfights and everything. So that's exciting. All these shows, um, some of them we we knew about. Like we got a, a new trailer for The Bad Batch. We knew about that. We knew about the Kenobi series. We got a little bit more information on that. We learned that Hayden Christensen is going to be reprising his role as Anakin Skywalker as Darth Vader for this. Mm -hmm. A little weird because it's like, if he's going to be Darth Vader, why not get the guy who's been doing Darth Vader in the suit for the past few movies Mm -hmm. and James Earl Jones to do the voice? Mm -hmm. This makes it seem like we're either going to see him extensively with his helmet off or Mm -hmm. in like force visions or flashbacks Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's cool. Um, then we got a bunch of stuff that we sort of suspected was happening, but didn't really know for sure. And now we have confirmation there is going to be an Ahsoka spinoff from The Mandalorian. Yep. There's also going to be a Marshals of the New Republic series. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those are going to be 
set in the time frame of the Mandalorian and will apparently um, build to some big climactic storyline. So I imagine that season three of the Mandalorian and these two spinoffs will all be like one after the other after the other and will kind of tie into each other in kind of like a MCU kind of way, yeah. which is something that Star Wars hasn't really tried to do before. Yep. Like I said, we got a new trailer for The Bad Batch. Uh, what else was there? Um, some new projects that, that weren't even rumored. A new animated uh, droids show, which is going to be a few years off. This new thing, um, Star Wars Visions, which is going to be also animated, but it's kind of like the Animatrix, but for Star Wars, every episode will be directed by a different Japanese animation mm-hmm. you know, director. Um, what was it called? Um, I'm blanking now on the name of it, but... Um, there's going to be one, the first series set in this new High Republic Republic era, which we've talked about before, which is like the new playground for novels and comics. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like sort of a mystery there set in that era. That's going to be live action. Um, let's see, what else did they talk about? I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff. Like I said, 10 shows that are coming. Plus, you know, we heard about a couple of movies. So it's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lando. Lando's getting his own Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Everybody's assuming it's, pr- I mean... Billy D. Williams isn't getting any younger. At most, I would imagine if he's involved at all, it's going to be kind of like an young Indiana Jones Chronicles kind of thing where he's sitting in a chair talking about his old adventures and then it cuts to a younger version of him, yeah. which everybody's assuming will be Donald Glover again. Yeah, it would be great. Um, but it'd be it cool were. to have them both in there in that I know, way. Yeah. Like, again, young Indiana Jones Chronicles did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. What are you What are you most excited about out of all this? I want to see Ahsoka, especially since the art uh, surrounding the logo of her name. Really, to me, before I heard any commentary about it from people who actually know much more than I do, before anything, I remembered that it was something that popped up in, oh, clone... What was what was the name of the show with Ezra? And, Rebels. Thank you. Yes, Rebels. Um, I recognized it as the world between worlds. And I got really excited because that's what the logo looks like. And for her to have some connection to it beyond being pulled out and saved from the fight with Darth Vader, which I would call a draw, by the way, because other people who've been thinking about it were like, oh, it's certain death. And I'm like, I'm not entirely sure. Like, because honestly, she was holding her own for the entire time and she could, she's the only person in the multiverse or in the universe that can go toe to toe with Darth Vader, Darth Vader and survive besides Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, so. Well, Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't survive though. (laughs) Um, no, but he's gone. Okay. So he's gone toe to toe with him there. And you have to say that in, in A New Hope, that death was kind of voluntary wasn't it because he just sort of stopped fighting and he let the death blow fall and his body disappeared and that was very deliberate he could have gone he could have continued fighting that's how i think yeah yeah and other than that he whooped his butt i mean he's the reason darth vader's in the suit so you tell me um anyway um Anyway, anyway, anyway. So Ahsoka is my answer. I'm very, very excited about that. Seeing the connection to that. Um, maybe even seeing connections to her live action appearance in uh, Mandalorian. Seeing if that pops up again in, in some way, shape or form. But I'm just excited to see her again because I think that she has an arc to go to as well. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I would say Ahsoka and probably the uh, the Rogue Squadron movie. Not because I'm huge on fighter pilots per se, like, I'm a uh, huge Patty Jenkins fan, the, the, so I'm excited about that. The, the, the X-Wing novels were like the only Star Wars novels that I didn't read. Okay. Um, just because they felt, I don't know, they felt 
Not, um, not for you. Unimpo- not no. I mean, they they didn't feel as important to like the they because they weren't about like the main characters. Like they weren't about Luke and Han and Leia and the you know the the arc of the galaxy and the new republic and everything they're just like oh we're going to go on this little fighter pilot mission and i know that's what some people like but that's for for whatever reason that's not what i wanted from those novels so those were the only ones i didn't read but it's mostly just because of patty jenkins involvement that i'm really looking forward to this one she seems really personally invested in in the subject matter so it seems like it's gonna i'm sure it'll be really her passion is infectious and i really love her work so yeah she's my draw too she's the she's the reason that i want to see that too i'm interested in it so as far as the marvel news was concerned i thought i would do something a little different with this because there's so much marvel um marvel news to talk about is i thought i would segue we'll come back to our comics but i thought i would segue into our activity this week okay so i thought we would rate we would rate our excitement for each of these projects on a scale, on a scale of, of, I don't know, what do you want to do? One to five or one to ten? What do you want to do? Let's do one to five, but okay. Prozy D style, so with no, decimals. No, no decimals. <laughs> I know, I hate the way he does it. I love Prozy so D so much. So but... I've got 14 <laughs> projects here. Not all of these were newly announced, mm-hmm. um, but these are all things that we got new information or new uh, previews for. Okay. And there's a lot of stuff that that they touched on that I'm not mentioning here, like you know, Shang-Chi or Black Panther 2 or Captain Marvel 2 because we didn't really get much new information on them aside from the fact that they're, they, they ha- they're happening, which sure. we knew already. Yeah. But these are all things that we know more about now and either got a trailer than, for than we did a couple of days yeah. ago, mm-hmm. if we even knew they existed at all. Okay, so number one, so and these are in, I guess, maybe semi-chronological order. Uh, number one, WandaVision, because we got a new trailer for this. This is five this out is of five debuting in just a few weeks. Can't wait. Five out of five. Yeah, I would say five out of five. I mean, not just because of what it's about and who's in it, but also just because it's been like over a year since we've had anything Marvel related. Well, maybe you're thirsty for hung- for for. Uh, I'm thirsty sweet. for hunger. <laughs> you're thirsty for hunger. You're thirsty for sweet, sweet Marvel content. But that's not my reason. My reason is that the the content itself looks tremendous, like beyond amazing. It's so creative. Um, mind bending it's not even mind blowing it's mind bending at this point and I just I'm really looking forward to it the more I see the more I'm the last teaser trailer whatever it was that they showed was very very well well edited well put together it's um it's definitely all about Wanda and her vision of vision (laughs) so I'm excited to see what the whole what the whole shebang is about like whether she generated this thing which you intimated happened in the comics that she basically pulled a Hal Jordan with um, with Coast City and just recreated everything in her mind, including generating children that didn't exist. Um, so I'm just excited to see what, what the show will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five okay. out of five. So number two, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, so we got a new trailer for this. Am I allowed to give the five first out of trailer. five again? Yeah, you can give all the fives you want. It might get a little redundant <laughs> if you give 14 fives out of five. but Maybe. Um... I'll give five if you want to give five. I, I would see, s- I'm caught between a four and a five. I would say four for this one. Yeah. Um, I, if anything, I was maybe a little... I, this is going to sound bad. I was maybe a little excited before the trailer just because the trailer... It sort of it felt like oh this is here's unlike Wandavision and and some of the other stuff we're going to talk about which seems so different. This just felt like kind of like more of if you if you sort of pictured in your mind what a show or a movie starring Falcon and Winter Soldier would be like. It's like yeah, yeah this is kind of what you would picture. It just yeah. it didn't it didn't knock my socks off you know yeah yeah um the the big the big um showpiece sequence at the end of the trailer with falcon flying through those canyons dodging whatever it's like yeah but that's no more impressive than him dodging all the things from the inside helicarriers and winter soldier you know what i mean so i'm like yeah that's it looks it looks i'm sure but i I think this is going to be 
I think this is going to live or die on the characters, right? It's going to be yeah. about them bouncing off each other and, and Captain America's legacy and all that stuff. That's the right. stuff I'm looking forward to. The action sequences, you know, I've seen tons of Falcon action sequences by this point. It's, that's not what we, gets me excited. Do you excited. think we're going to get uh, what happened in... Um, I don't remember. But do you remember when Peggy Carter died in one of the earlier iterations of the of the movies and Steve got word of it and even went to her funeral? Do you remember this? I remember that. Right. Well, I don't remember what movie that took place. That was in, Civil but, War. Right. Civil War. Okay. Um, do you think we're going to get something similar for Oh, where them, Steve dies? Where Steve dies? Because now he's... Maybe eventually, just, but just I don't like think... Just like in passing and then that maybe sort I'm of not, changes the dynamic. Maybe I it? need to retrain my mind as for the distinction between movies and TV shows. And certainly it seems like they want to retrain the audience not to think of these as TV shows. They're, they're like movies that just happen to be serialized. Right. But if they're going to have Captain America die... I don't think they're going to do it in a TV show. I think they would wait and do it in whatever next movie that Falcon is going okay. to debut in as Captain America. I don't think they would okay. do it in the show. Yeah. Um, because so this that's is a, his journey to become. Because that's a big thing. It's one thing yeah. to kill Peggy Carter off screen. It's another thing to kill Captain America off screen. Yeah. If they ever. Yeah. Uh, plus that that's. I mean, he had his happy ending, but even so, it's still sad, right? I think they <laughs> might just like never, not mention. never mention, but you never see him again. It's like, oh, maybe he lives another 15 years and we just never hear. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So number three, Loki. Because we got the first <laughs> the first trailer for this. And this is coming soon. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier, we should mention, Falcon and Winter Soldier is coming in March and Loki is coming in May. So basically, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki are going to be more or less back to back to back with mm-hmm. maybe a week or two in between. I haven't figured out exactly how, because I'm not sure we even know exactly how many episodes each one is. But assuming there's six to eight episodes each, mm-hmm. they're going to be more or less back to back to back. So we're going to get shows for like four or five months straight. Yep. So Loki. Uh, four out of five. It looks really, really crazy spy-ish stuff. I love that the trailer itself picked up from um, from the moment where he grabbed the Tesseract when time kind of went wrong. Yeah, you kind of have to show that in the trailer because you otherwise people to. are going to be like, wait a minute, he How died, he... right? Yeah. So you have to remind the audience that there's another version of him out there in the multiverse. Yep. Obviously, there's an infinite number of versions of him out there in the multiverse, but there's one we're familiar with already yeah. that didn't experience the character growth that he did after Avengers, where he basically kind of redeemed himself, especially in Thor Ragnarok and That's Infinity true. War. He right? didn't go on a redemption arc. This is he? still him at peak villainy from yeah. Avengers, right? When yeah. he was about, when he was trying to basically blow up all and of, he, all of New York and hand it over to Thanos, and right? And everything else. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is him without having learned any of those lessons, but with us, the audience know that he's capable of changing off traipsing through time and space, right? Yeah. So yeah, I would say I would say I'm at a three four. or four. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Hawkeye. So we didn't get any visuals for this yet. They're filming it right now. Um, we got a rough debut date, and they confirmed that Haley Steinfeld is going to be playing Kate Bishop, which kind of everybody knew already, but we got confirmation of it. We've learned a bit more about it, too. We've learned that uh, Florence Pugh, who's playing one of the Black Widows in the, in mm-hmm. the Black Widow movie, mm-hmm. is going to be in this, too. Mm-hmm. So everybody's assuming that she's going to basically take up the Black Widow mantle, because Black Widow's a prequel. It takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. So everybody's assuming that she's going to probably take up the mantle and then yeah. appear in this. Yeah. Um, so we learned a bit more about it, but... I think maybe... I'm caught between a three and a four, and I'll give it a three because I really need a trailer. Like at this point, I've I've heard enough. Like I heard the, the premise; it's going to be exciting. Um, we're going to see Jeremy Renner pass the baton on to this great female protagonist. I'm I have faith in the writers and everything, but I really I don't have enough to get hyped on. So I really need a trailer. So I would for imagine now, your I'll give it a three. I would imagine your anticipation is going to be lower for. It's not like if this were DC stuff, and you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be a story where. 
uh, Jessica Cruz appears for the first time. And I would grim- lose my right. freaking that's, mind. That's like what Marvel fans are like, yes. oh man, Kate Bishop, that's right? Saying, but yes. you have no connection to no, these characters. So no. that's understandable. So for now, yeah, for now okay. it's a three. Number five, what if? We got our first sort of extended five trailer for five. this. I'm yeah, I think this looks really good. And the fact that it's going to be Since like all the announced. actors reprising their yeah. roles too, including Chadwick Boseman in, in his last performance as Black Panther also. Yep. Um, oh, man. Although he's probably not Black Panther in this, as T'Challa, one should say, if he's even called that in this. Like, who knows? It looks like one of these stories is going to be about him being plucked up by Yondu instead yeah. of, um, I want to say Chris Pratt. That's not the character's name. Star-Lord. Yeah. Um, it's going to be about, like, I'm blanking <laughs> yeah. on the character's name. I know, me too. Peter Quill. There it's you gonna go. It's going to be about T'Challa being plucked up by uh, Yondu instead yeah. of Peter, Peter Quill. Peter Quill, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this looks really good. we got the Marvel zombies in there. We've got... Uh, uh, Haley Atwell. I wonder how as, that one's Presumably as Captain Britain, right? We've right. got, uh, what else? Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange. So again, is this going to tie? Everybody's like, now people are like, this is not maybe going to be its own like little side project. Yep. If our Doctor Strange is going to be in this and then he goes into the Doctor Strange movie, like, oh yeah, I was just on this planet where we were all zombies. It's like, this could be, you yeah. know, quote unquote canonized by that. It is canon. Right. Yeah. When there's an infinite multiverse, technically everything Everything's is canon. canon sure. But this might actually have payoffs in the live action movies if this is how he encounters the multiverse. You know, if he gets yep. thrown to this earth or whatever where everybody's zombies. Yeah. And then in the live action movie, he's like, oh yeah, I've got to figure out what the deal is with this multiverse. And that's his motivation for that movie, right? And then he links yep. up with Wanda and they explore whatever. Um yeah, so I would say, yeah, I would say probably five for this. I'm very excited about and this. The style looks cool too. And normally I'm so not a, normally I'm not a fan of like cell shaded CG Strong trying to CG. kind of look hand drawn, but not really. Like I just I I love hand drawn animation. If you're gonna do if you're gonna do CG, then it better be like Pixar level yeah. or else like if it's just like Star Wars Resistance, which looks good. I really like the art style there. Yeah. But it's like CG, but we're trying not to spend too much money on it. Like that's not normally my favorite it just i would have preferred hand drawn because i think that that looks that would look CG? phenomenal corners but. cut cg yeah okay. so number six iron heart so this is one of the new marvel plus uh one of the new disney plus shows they announced this is um featuring this new character riri williams that was introduced in the comics recently it's basically a young black girl who becomes the next more or less the next iron man she and she's oh. like the next generation's Tony Stark level genius and she basically invents her own suit of Iron Man style armor and becomes part of like the superhero world. That is exciting to me. I'm actually going to rate it the same as I did with the Hawkeye series because I don't we know have... even less about this because there's no yeah, but I like characters the... you're familiar with in this. Although I would have Maybe to imagine novelty. that Rhodey or Pepper or somebody would have to show up in this or at least right. she would show up later with them in something if they don't show up here, you know? Yeah. I'm excited for the premise because I think it's great and um, I love to see I love to see girls succeeding and it's just really I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the the th- thread of that story develop especially like because I think there's even an analog um isn't um oh crap I'm blanking on Steele's niece's oh Natasha Natasha is like a uh, a pure example of of wonderful um scientific girl magic and it's great she's like she's a superhero so i think they're sort of trying to do an analog with this character in the same way like she's a scientific genius and she becomes the new iron man but i'm still i'm here for it <laughs> well it's a little different because natasha started off by like kind of like co-opting her her uncle's <laughs> armor and using it herself whereas i think the idea with riri is that she basically invents Built it from, it from whole cloth no, herself yeah. she doesn't like find a discarded suit of iron sure. man armor and fix it up or whatever the idea is that she's smart enough to build it herself yeah. like no one since tony stark has been able to do that right well 
Um, at least I think that that's the premise. I don't, I've never read any. Well, of I'm stuff. here for it anyway, and um, and and I'm just here for it anyway. So that's great. Okay, so number seven, Armor Wars. This is something we had no idea about before. This this is going to be the War Machine led show where it's all about Rhodey trying to um, fight against the uh, proliferation of Iron Man technology by sort of bad actors throughout the yep. country or the world or whatever. Yep. Um, four out of five because I love Rhodey and I want to see him get some some screen time. I think, I I think that everybody's that talking about you, you need Sam Rockwell back in this, right? <laughs> like if anybody's going to be selling... Iron Man armor to the highest bidder. It's got to be Justin be Hammer, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's gotta be. And maybe even Whiplash will make another appearance. Didn't he? I think. I mean, <laughs> it was kind of unclear about whether. He, well, he was in this big suit of armor, and then he got like zapped and and exploded and stuff. And it's like, is he dead? Is he alive? I'm not sure. It's ever been definitively said. So who sure. who knows? That was a pretty poor writing of like that script needed some work, but um. Well, they basically everybody... tried to improvise it like they did the first movie, but that doesn't work. That's not going to no. work every time. Yeah. No. <laughs> I still I like it more than most, but yeah, I mean that was there were definitely some Holes some weird loose ends there. Yep. Uh, number eight, Secret Invasion. So this is the previously uh, reported on Ooh, Nick, Nick Fury five out of five. show. Five this out of five. Be, this is going to be um, Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn reprising his role as Talos, the Skrull leader. Yeah. This is adapting a huge crossover that the comics did. I don't even know seven or eight years ago that Brian Michael Bendis wrote. Was it only where, seven and eight years ago. Wow. Uh, I thought it was longer. probably about ten. I don't know how you would know. <laughs> I think it was. It might have been know, about it just ten years like ago. It was, yeah. Um, where they revealed that Skrulls had been secretly infiltrating government and superhero teams and S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything for years. And then they staged this big, you know, mm -hmm. they flipped over all their cards and tried to and took over the Earth and everything. And characters that you thought you knew for years and, oh, you know, who was it? Ms. Marvel, like Carol Danvers has been a Skrull since the 70s, you yep. know. Uh, Mockingbird is alive and everybody thought she she was dead and that's because she was actually a scroll when she died and here's the real Mockingbird um, big thing huge huge crossover I have to imagine if they're doing it as a TV show it's going to be smaller not smaller stakes but smaller scale than that maybe more like a spy espionage thriller kind of thing right not a huge because everybody was thinking this is going to be the next movie this is going to be the plot for the next Avengers movie or even the next whole phase of movies they're going to gradually reveal that the scrolls everywhere and then this new Avengers team is going to have to come together to fight them off, but they're doing it as a TV show. Yep. I suppose it's possible that even though they're using the name here, this is going to be like one flare up, mm -hmm. but then it's revealed that this is just the tip of the iceberg and it does set up the next movie. Mm -hmm. I suppose that's possible. Um, but yes, yeah, so is this this is a five for you? Yeah. I'd say it's a Instant five for me five. too. Yeah. Instant five. Um, okay. I, those characters, it's, like you said, like the, the story is good, but also the characters were wonderful. I really, really love Talos and his wife and I love Nick Fury. So seeing what happened, <laughs> jumping off from the giant ship that uh, Nick Fury was on at the end of the, you know, that was like a post-credit sequence, right? Yeah, that was the post-credit sequence and, in Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. And why would you put that in there unless you're actually planning to do something amazing? But with everybody it, so thought I it was going to be everybody. Oh, the next Mar the next right. Avengers movie is going to be Secret Invasion. It's going to be New Avengers Secret Invasion. You know? Yep. No. Yep. Um, well, we'll see. All but. right, number nine, She-Hulk. So we got confirmation that's going to be Tatiana Maslany uh, in the lead. Mm -hmm. um, we got confirmation that Mark Ruffalo will be appearing in this, and that Tim Roth will be back as the Abomination, further <laughs> further cementing the uh, yeah. the Incredible Hulk movie as as canon, as if yeah. uh, you know General Ross appearing periodically didn't, <laughs> didn't didn't do didn't that tie that in um yet. but it is definitely it is definitely the black sheep of the of the mcu because of the weird rights issues that surround it and the fact that they recast the main character for his next appearance and so on but regardless right. 
Um, it's cool because it'd be nice to see that actor get to do more with, you know, maybe like better, a better script. Yeah. I, I like The Incredible Hulk too, but it's definitely not one of the strongest movies. Um, obviously, you're not familiar with the She-Hulk character, but seeing the seeing this again sort of like a passing of the torch kind of thing going yeah. on and with Mark Ruffalo in there then that raises the questions is are they going to do full CG smart hulk guy cuz that's expensive to do on a TV budget but again these aren't TV budgets these are movie budgets that they just happen to be <laughs> putting on TV shows so maybe again we've got to retrain our thoughts maybe they're going to do and is the main character is she hulk going to be full CG also right. i mean the thing with her is that she was never as crazy big right right she kind of looked like just like sort of like Lou Ferrigna size. Yeah, Meg, regular female bodybuilder or female athlete. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, size. female bodybuilders. Look. Yeah, more more Lou Ferrigno versus. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but but then, are they gonna versus? Tw- but the thing with her is that she she liked being She Hulk because she never got dumbed down. She kept her personality entirely, so she never bothers to, she very rarely bothers to change back uh-huh. so if they have someone else play her when she's she hulk you're never going to see tatiana maslany so either she's going to really bulk up or they're going to have to do like some cg augmentation which yeah. i guess they could do or like a bodysuit. i don't know it's i'm curious to see how they do it regardless yeah i'd say this is probably like a three or a four for me yeah i'm gonna put it at a three because the movies were lambasted but i do have faith in the script so like if it were just Based on the previous content, I think I'd put it at a two. Well, but, uh, it has. This is. I mean, but, more more to do with I'm the recent with yeah. the recent Hulk yeah. appearances than the people who worked on the Incredible Hulk movie. You know, yeah. ten years ago. Like that's yeah. That's what bumps barely it up to related a three for at all. Me, yeah, I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped. So number ten, Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, we got our first footage from this. Not really a trailer per se. Really, just like a few little peeks because I think they've only just started filming this. But this is the young, um, she Pakistani, Pakistani yeah. American. A girl that is a huge fan of Captain Marvel and, you know, in the comics, she was Ms. Marvel before she was Captain Marvel. So she fancies herself the new Ms. Marvel. Here it's a little weirder because Carol Danvers never went by Ms. Marvel. So I guess she invents this identity as kind of like, oh, well, there's already a Captain Marvel, so I'll call myself Ms. Marvel. Like calling Mm -hmm. yourself Kid Flash or something like that, right? Like I guess it's going to be that kind of thing. Um and she's got like shape shifting power. She's like stretchy and stuff. Like you would think, oh, she's super strong or whatever. No, it's more like a stretchy thing. So it's something we haven't really seen as much in the MCU. It's well, sort of I'm... a non traditional power set for someone who you would think, oh, she's going to have Captain Marvel. She's going to be able to fly and super right. strong. She's yeah. an inhuman too in the comics, which is be, I'd be curious to see if they do that here because they, are they going to want to dredge up the all the baggage <laughs> the, that would come with doing the inhuman, inhuman stuff from stuff. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Inhumans show. like Because yeah. those are like probably like not considered canon to the MCU now. So it's like, are they going to do the Inhumans thing? Are they just going to make her a mutant now that they have the X-Men rights? Are they going to have some other explanation? Um, we'll see. But they also announced that she's going to be appearing in Captain Marvel 2. So they're going to set her up here in her own show. And then mm-hmm. she's kind of kind of also be a supporting character in the next oh Captain Marvel Oh my God, movie. that's so great. What, um, what where a... she gets to meet her hero, right? Or maybe <laughs> Carol Danvers even shows up in the final episode of this. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I heard about you. Come with me. I've got a job for you or whatever. And yeah. that leads into the next movie. Who knows? Uh, five out of five for me. Yeah. Everything about this, even the, uh, the, the cute way that they publicized how she was cast and how it was a unanimous decision. It just brings tears to my eyes. I'm so happy for the actress that they cast. I'm so happy for, I don't know, this one. This one is probably one of my favorites in terms of like representation and and telling a story from a different point of view. Like she's an American, but it's a side of America that we don't often get to see, which is a non-white, non-Christian perspective. Like I'm excited for that because I had, you know, 
<laughs> I had I had a lot of friends growing up who, you know, of all different religions and all different colors and creeds and yeah, it's I'm tired of the white perspective. <laughs> I would love to see more from from different people's point of view and I'm very excited for the showrunners and the writers that are writing something so truthful and something so authentic from a different point of view and I'm also extremely excited for the amazingly adorable and competent and wonderful actress that they uh, they cast for for this part and I'm just over the moon, over the moon for this project. This was this was great from the get-go, but everything that has been shown to us since then is just making me even more and more hyped. So then we have uh, sort of a twofer, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, <laughs> which will be coming out two years from now. So apparently, I don't know if they talked about this in interviews, but the plan is that when they start shooting Guardians of the Galaxy 3 soon, they're going to take the opportunity while they have the cast and the sets and everything to shoot this at the same time they're going to shoot them together as one production block and then just you know roll this out as sort of a tease for the next movie because i think the next i think guardians of the galaxy 3 is i think that's a 2023 movie actually maybe it's 2022 i don't know so i'm not sure which will come first but we're going to shoot them at the same time um and then there's i am groot which is going to be a series of shorts about groot like Baby Groot, I guess. Baby Groot, Teen Groot. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what Groot we're dealing with. I think probably Baby Groot. <laughs> Getting into little adventures and stuff. I'm not sure if this is going to be all CG. Obviously, Groot is CG. I'm not it, sure if it's going to be all CG or a mixture of... Like a CG of, cartoon, you're saying? Or a live action? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be like What there? If okay. or if it's going to be like Groot is CG, but then like the, everything else Star-Lord action, appears sure. and he's actually Chris Pratt, not CG Chris Pratt. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we'll see. But yeah, so what do you, what do you what's your excitement for these? I mean, obviously we're also getting Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy three. These are sort of additive to that. Um, I'm excited just because I think that the script is going to be funny, and I just well, yeah, it's James, James Gunn. Gunn again, he's so. he's writing and directing the holiday special at least. I imagine the Groot stuff might have like different animation directors and stuff, but he's doing the the holiday special at least because again, it's being done simultaneously with the movie which he's also writing and directing so right. he's just going to do it all as one big block and just like add another couple months to the shoot and just do it all yep yeah um i can't i can't wait i'm i'm looking forward to this one so i'm gonna put it at a um i'm caught between four and five on this one okay what about you yeah probably four i mean i love the guardians yeah, the guardian stuff yeah mm-hmm. um so ant-man and the wasp quantum mania <laughs> Which we knew there were gonna we knew there was gonna be a third Ant Man movie. It's cool that they're keeping the Ant Man and the Wasp moniker title. Yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, Ant Man, then you had Ant Man and the Wasp, and now you've got Ant Man Quantumania. It's like, no, Shit. now these movies are the Ant Man and, and the Wasp, Wasp movies. Quantumania, yeah. Um I dig it. So yeah, so we don't we don't know much about this. We know it's gonna the whole cast is coming back. I mean, we assume the supporting characters like Michael Pena and so on will be back, but we know at least obviously we're gonna have Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, they also they also cast a new actress for uh, Scott's daughter, oh, who's right. presumably going to be set up here as her own teenage superhero because they're setting up like the rest of the Young Avengers and pretty much all these other movies. So we're yeah. assuming that we're going to get stature at some point. Um, and the cool other cool thing about this is that they've cast an actor as Kang the Conqueror, who is one of the big, like big avengers level threats in the comics like he's i don't know what the dc equivalent would be not like dark side dark level because oh, thanos is like thanos is, is basically marvel's okay. car you know jim starlin basically <laughs> well let's let's do dark side but like not quite as cool but purple <laughs> um but i don't know what the equivalent of, of kang would be maybe like like brainiac or something not not because he's specific to any one superhero but just like the level of like when he shows up how screwed is everybody it's kind of like oh. brainiac level like 
okay. big. But also like time traveling. He's like a time traveler guy. So like That's even more dangerous. I guess he would say like Kronos, but Kronos is never really that, that threatening. So yeah. like and DC doesn't really have like a huge time traveling threat. But like Brainiac level, like in terms well, of he shows got, up and everybody well, is reverse flash travels through time. Yeah, but Reverse Flash is like a Flash villain. Kang is yeah. like an Avengers villain. You know, okay, like he's yeah. so the fact that they're setting him up here, I would imagine like he's too big. He's too big a threat for Ant Man and the Wasp. So I think he's going to show up here, and then he's probably going to like show up in movies yeah. and stuff, bigger movies. You know, um, but what's interesting is that his appearance here might indicate that they're setting up another young Avenger because there's another young Avenger that was tied to his story. Mm-hmm. So it really feels like between Kate Bishop and potential for Wanda and Vision's kids maybe and stature here and maybe the one that's tied to Kang I want to avoid spoilers as well as Skrull stuff they're doing with the secret invasion thing because there was a young Avenger who was a Skrull also Um, really feels like they're setting up young Avengers and then you've got another team which was like the champions Mm -hmm. which is a more recent name but that was where you would have characters like Ironheart and Miles the Miles Morales Spider-Man which I can imagine them setting up especially if they're doing multiverse stuff I mean he was already mentioned in the first Spider-Man movie so great so it really feels like they're setting up because everybody loves the team movies right like you like the solo movies but all the Avengers movies are where it's at right if they everybody know there's going to be another Avengers movies at some point there's gonna be a new Avengers movie but if they can have multiple team franchises yeah especially with like younger diverse casts if they can have like a young avengers because you want to franchise the name right that the comics did that for a while it was just avengers and then you'd have occasionally you'd have west coast avengers but then for then when bendis came on it's like okay now we get avengers we've got new avengers we've got secret avengers we've got young avengers we you know what i mean dark avengers cosmic avengers it's kind of like justice league for dc right like the justice league has been like that for a lot longer but oh we got justice league we got justice league international justice league detroit justice league dark justice league odyssey you know yep um, Young Justice, but Marvel only did that more recently with the Avengers. And I think if they can set up multiple franchises where they can have solo movies and team movies featuring mm-hmm. the same characters, mm-hmm. then you know that's you know that that would be really exciting. And so that's that's Ant Man and the Wasp. So where's so where's your excitement for this? Uh, five out of five. Yeah, I would say five because yeah. I I really love the Ant Man movies. Me yeah. too. I love the Ant Man movies. And same I like writer, the- same director. Yep. You know what I'm really bummed about, though, is that the actress that they hired before uh, to play the older version of uh, his daughter won't get to be. Yeah, who knows? I mean, we never really know the full story. Maybe maybe they just felt like there was a scheduling conflict. I mean, one can live in hope. Yeah. Or or she wanted to focus more on like going her schoolwork or whatever. And like because there was a report that, oh, well, she's busy with college and she would like she wouldn't it would have been too hard to schedule around her or whatever. So who knows? Like, yeah, I mean, but I mean. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt here because they've been so good about not recasting unless yeah. they absolutely have, have to. Have to, yeah. Um, like, yeah. They'll, it's like, look at Tim Roth, right? Like, it's been like 10 years. Look like, oh, let's bring Tim Roth shot. back, right? Yeah, look at the last shot of um, of Avengers, what was it, Endgame? With, with the like, funeral with everybody scene? at the funeral? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're they really good about back. the continuity. They, ca- they, they care about the continuity of, of actors and the relationships with the actors. So I, I don't like think it. they would have recast unless they, unless they, had, they, they had a really they good reason. They had to, yeah. And then the last thing, which nobody saw coming, Fantastic Four... So this is the first time, this is the first announcement of them taking the Fox properties and bringing them into the MCU. Everybody probably would have thought they would lead with X-Men just because that's Marvel's biggest brand. But I think they probably want to let that sit for a while because the Fox franchise is so recent, whereas Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a Fantastic Four movie in much longer. Um, But this is going to be John Watts, who's the director of the recent Spider-Man movies. I feel like if he keeps that same sort of, because the Fantastic Four always had sort of like a quirky tone. Yep. The Fantastic Four for people who don't know, was like was basically the first Marvel comic. 
Yeah. There were characters Mm -hmm. that existed before that from timely comics like Captain America, Submariner, Submariner, the original Human Torch. Um, But those were timely comics, which is like a corporation that later like evolved into Marvel. But the first comic that actually Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and said Marvel Comics on the front, and it was the launching point for the shared universe of Marvel Comics, was the Fantastic Four. And then from there, they launched X-Men, Spider-Man, Hulk, Thor, Iron Man. Fantastic Four were the first. Uh, The the fact that Captain America and Submariner and stuff were part of the Marvel continuity was almost like a retcon in a way. Just like, oh, we still have the rights to those old characters that our parent company published 20 years ago. Right. Let's bring Captain America back and we'll say he was frozen in a block of ice, right? Right. That was um, retroactive. So the Fantastic Four were the first Marvel characters. The fact that they're only getting to them now, 12 years into the MCU, is purely a result of the fact that the rights were owned by Fox up until a couple of years ago. But I think that, that John Watts has got a good style for it, you know? Like, And it's not to say like just because he can do like sort of teen comedy slash superhero like the Spider-Man movies are, I think he can also do... Because the, the thing about the Fantastic Four is they have these crazy cosmic adventures, but then they're like, oh, it's about the relationships between the team, like the Human Torch and the thing getting on each other's nerves yeah. and, and Reed like in the in the lab all the time working and ignoring his family. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's about the, the quirky and, you know, Sue trying to hold everything together. And it's about like the, the family aspect of it. Yep. I th- so I think that. I think that you want like a John Watts or like a Peyton Reed who does the Ant-Man movies. You want that sort of like quirky. um found family yeah. kind of feel to it yeah. you know yeah so i think that he's a good i think that he's a good pick and he's proven that he can you know the, the spider-man movies were hits and they were mm-hmm. critically well received and he's shown that he can work under because we don't have a date for this i don't think i would imagine at the earliest we're looking at because he's, he's got to do this next spider-man movie first yeah i would imagine we're looking at at least 2023 maybe mm-hmm. even 2024 for this um it's a tough needle to thread but I, I think that I think that he's. I mean, you could you could get like somebody who's maybe like more high profile than this. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's a good pick if you want if you want to trust if you want a steady hand someone who's proven they can deliver consistent hits within the MCU. Yeah. Because you don't want to foul up the Fantastic Four again for like a third or even a fourth time if you include the old Roger Corman <laughs> movie that was yeah. made just to retain the rights. Um, you don't want to foul it up again. You want this to be like at the very least a solid double. Yep. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that he he can deliver that. Like he he's, he he turns out really good quality, dependable Marvel movies. It's not going to be like we're not looking at the next probably Oscar nominated. Like he's not. There's not going to be the next Black Panther, right? Or probably even the next Iron Man. Mm-hmm. But you want the next Spider Man Homecoming. Like oh, this character was floundering when those other studios were doing the movies, but now they're part of the MCU, and this was a really good movie, and it reminded us why we love these characters. You want another Spider, and he, that's what he did for Spider-Man with Homecoming, and you know? mm-hmm. so I think that he's a good pick for this. Mm-hmm. So what's your? do you even have any sort of connection to the Fantastic Four? Did you watch like any of the old cartoons? I did. Or well, no, I didn't watch any of the... Oh, I think I saw like pieces of the cartoon, but like I, nothing nothing to... There was the one where they replaced to... Human Torch with a robot. It was like a little robot that flew around. <laughs> no. I think they were worried the kids would set themselves on fire, and so they replaced him with a little <laughs> robot. No, no, I did not see Herbie, that. Herbie, I think it was? Um, if you say so. No, what I did see was the well, one with the Jessica, Jessica Alba, yeah. You saw, did you see both of those? No. I, you didn't see the one with the, with the, the Silver, Silver Surfer? Surfer? No, Lawrence I didn't. Fishburne doing the voice of Doug Jones doing the motion capture and Lawrence Fishburne doing the voice no, of No, uh, but Silver now Surfer. that you said those two names, I want Bert. to. Were they good? Ish. Uh, was the uh. second was the second one good? It was about as good as the first, which is to say okay. watchable but it. not like great. 
Okay. Okay, I'll it was take about it. the same as the first. It was, they're nice. I mean, Chris Evans is charming, yep. and Michael Chiklis is fun. I thought they were all fun. I liked, I liked the uh, the, the, end the, of it, the big sort knock of coming against, together. The big knock against the second one is what they did to Galactus, where they turned him from like this big dude in like purple armor, like this big world devouring guy. You know what Galactus looks like, right? This no. huge guy like the size of a planet. Okay, and he's got, but he's wearing like he's, it works when Jack Kirby draws him. But he's wearing like this purple helmet and purple armor, mm-hmm. and they turned him into like this cosmic, like this swarm. Oh. Like he's not a guy; he's a swarm. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this works better in movies. Like, yeah, but that's not him. Yeah, but that's not him. It's anymore. like if yeah. they turned Dark Side, like what Smallville did with Dark Side. Do you oh, vaguely recall yes, this? I do. He's not a rocky looking guy. He's like this shadow energy that swarms around. It's like, yeah, but that's but maybe, not really. Maybe yeah. that works better than like a big rocky looking guy, especially in like early 2000s level CG. And a TV budget, yeah. But I bet that they can, I bet when they finally do Galactus here that that's going to be like, it's not going to be a guy, like a big guy in a purple suit, but I bet they're going to have him be like humanoid and they're going to make him look super awesome because look at the kind of stuff they did in Thor Ragnarok and stuff with the Celestials. Yeah. Those, those big Jack Kirby looking yeah. s- stuff when we would see the Celestials in flashbacks. Like, oh, here, the Celestials making the power zone. These big Jack Kirby looking almost like robot guys. Yeah. But giants, like mm-hmm. you make Galactus mm-hmm. look like that and I think it would work. Yep. Yeah, um, so I, but yeah, I am looking forward to the Fantastic Four. I think I'll give it a four out of five. That, yeah, probably me too. And I think that's probably safer to lead with this too, because if you do the X Men first, mm. there's so much baggage, so much. Yeah, there's like, a lot of. X-Men are they going to bring Hugh Jackman back? I mean, no, maybe, he's done with it. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's done with it. So was J.K. Simmons, right? So was Tobey Maguire. So was Andrew Garfield. I'm pretty sure that uh, both both uh, Hugh Jackman and um, Patrick Stewart said that they're done with the character. Well, yeah, but so did Toby, Toby Maguire 15 years ago, right? I'm, I'm just saying you never know. Mm, like if they're going to bring, if the amount of goodwill, I mean, everybody wants to see Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in the Avengers. Everybody wants to I see know. it, right? If they, they could what do get, you teach, Art? They could, <laughs> they could get so much goodwill yeah. out of the gate. Recast everybody else. That's fine. They yeah. already recast everybody else for the first class era movies, right? They got yeah. James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, and they were great, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've already, re- but they didn't recast Wolverine because he doesn't age really, yep. and so they could still use Hugh Jackman in those movies. Yes, but you've shown that they're willing to recast, or at least Fox was willing to recast those other roles. They would get so drive. I know he doesn't need the money, but like drive a dump truck full of money up to Hugh Jackman's house. I mean, it's a little weird because he looks like he's, whatever, 50, 55 or whatever. Right. And Wolverine's supposed to like look perpetually like in his 30s or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, But whatever. You could have him be like a little... It's a, a little, little weird. Like, oh, you're not supposed to age. Then why did you stop aging when you were 55 as opposed to 25, right? right? Yeah. Whatever. I don't... You know, nobody will care. But put Hugh Jackman in there, recast everybody else. We get so much goodwill. You get to see Hugh Jackman fighting along Spider-Man or whatever. Like everybody wants to see that, right? Yep. It's not to say you couldn't do it. I've seen people say that that uh, all the fan cast, like, oh, Henry Cavill is Wolverine. Like, I've I've, I've seen those mock-ups. That looks cool, too, yeah, right? Yeah. That probably wouldn't happen for obvious other reasons, right? Yeah. Um, but you could do it, and you could it could be a home. I mean, everybody poo-pooed Hugh Jackman at the time. Just like, he's too tall. He's too good-looking. Wolverine's supposed to be, like, this short, ugly guy, right? Yeah. But whatever. Like, he just, through sheer charisma yeah. <laughs> and acting ability, he, he, made, he defined that role, right? Yeah. So you could recast and it would be fine, but I don't know. I, I really think, but there's that's the kind of baggage you have yes. if you do an X Men yeah, movie exactly. first, right? Yeah, all let that sit for another five or six. Movies. Do Fantastic yeah. Four, where the previous movies that people could look to weren't that great. Yes, and so you're like, oh, this has got to be better than those, right? That's the kind. <laughs> that's the level of expectation you want. You don't. Oh, this is going to have to be really good to be better than the Hugh Jackman version, right? That's what you don't want people saying going right. Into it. Yeah. Um, they were got they were kind of lucky with Spider-Man where instead of coming off of the very well received first couple of Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies they were coming off of the poorly received third Andrew, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Gar- movie Garfield. and the two Andrew Garfield movies yes. so there had been three 
mediocre to bad Spider-Man movies in a row in very short order. Right. And then, you know, they were able to come in and knock it out of the park with Homecoming. So yeah, I think they got the similar good. sort of setup for the, for it here. Yeah. So that's a lot. That's that's basically all that. I mean, the stuff that they announced or talked about. Like I said, there was other stuff they I talked about. I love that, that you don't combine the news about. with the activity. I think that was a genius move. Very well done. Thank you. Clever. So, what was your comic of the week? Okay, so this week I picked. <laughs> what did I pick? You picked Tales from the Dark Multiverse Flashpoint. Ah, that was a good one. Yeah, that's the one. This is. It's funny because we had a whole bunch of great issues, but they were all sort of off format like long form stories or short one-offs or something um but this one resonated the most with me and i was actually surprised because i usually don't go for the flash stories but this one was great because the tempest fuginot looks at what happens if at the point in uh in crisis where what was the thing flashpoint specifically flashpoint um where Thomas Wayne helps Barry get his powers by generating the basically recreating the experiment. Well, that experiment fails and the lightning bolt doesn't give him back his powers. It kills him. Um, and that leaves the world as is unchanged and um, uh, reverse flash just kind of coasting through finds out what happened, what what's all going on, what this world is all about um, and just starts deriding the fact that Barry Allen couldn't let it go and starts laughing at the fact that Barry Allen is the cause of his own destruction and the destruction of the the world that he had versus the world that he created, which is worse. Um, and then he starts playing in this playground and it just makes it worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was really captivating because you see a window into how bad Reverse Flash really is and how petty and also how... Uh, just how petty this is this is the antithesis this is the um antithesis of all hero heroism is that he wants to be a hero he wants to be worshipped he wants to be revered and valued and admired but he is like he has no cause no heroic um altruistic kind instinct in himself and he's just out for himself and that selfishness just makes the world worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and tempest fuji not not just what doesn't just watch this one world go wonky he watches all the variations of it as played out by um reverse flash like a kid in a sandbox just get worse and worse and just be terrible so i thought that was a very captivating issue um the art was really good and i really enjoyed it so yeah, that's why I picked it for my comic of the week. How about you? What'd you Very pick? Very good. I picked Dark Knights colon Death Metal colon The Last Stories of the DC Universe. Nice choice. Nice choice. Yeah, I like that one too. Which was another, which was an anthology sort of story with a framing sequence um, focusing on a bunch of different characters when they think they're having their last night on Earth before they go off to fight in this big battle against the Dark Multiverse and Perpetua and the, the Darkest Night and everything. There's a... Really nice Green Arrow Black Canary story uh, by Gail Simone, where they meet like a, an alternate Earth version of their daughter. Um, there's a nice story between this sort of a Bat Family story with really nice moments between uh, Batgirl and Nightwing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of great Titans stuff in there, which is the framing sequence, which was probably my favorite aspect of it. Um, this uh, You see all the different Titans and Titans adjacent characters like Young Justice and so on, although most of them were Titans at one point or another too. Um, all meeting up and you see a lot of great little character moments and there's sort of inset in that nice little sort of faded portraits of 
those characters when they were like what the team lineups looked like when they were the titans yeah, and, the, and their costumes from the era that, and so yeah. oh there's the wolfman perez era there's the jeff johns teen titans era there's the new 52 era there's the current you know yep. sort of damien crush roundhouse era um and seeing all those characters together uh interacting and don't of, forget batman brings back oh yeah and then roy shows up at the yeah. end which felt like a little like well we got to have all the we want to have all the original titans here and it's like oh well i mean they did set up in dark knights in in death metal that he's got a black lantern ring and that he's right like wonder going into this next issue of death metal wonder woman is leading the heroes superman's leading the villains and batman is leading the dead right like yeah. that's sort of what they set up so um yeah that's fine and there's a nice moment between donna and wally mm-hmm. um yeah a lot of like there's a great and also robin and batgirl right there's a nice little um mark wade superman story here which is the first dc work that mark wade has done in in many years a nice little story about he uses this little time travel device to basically turn this one night into like a thousand years so that he can help as many people with as many tasks big and small as he can some of them significant like saving lives others smaller just but just enough to remind people that that you know hope is here well life life will go on right like if superman has the time to come in and like fix up my my building yeah you know or build this new school yeah. he must think there's going to be a tomorrow right because he wouldn't yeah. be bothering to do that otherwise yeah a lot of little moments like that we see him more and more versions of him it's kind of like a christopher reeve superman thing we see the multiple different versions of him like flying around the planet blurring around yeah. the world from space you know um while the little so nice. while the little wrist mounted time travel device he has like melts and melts from the strain of it and then finally he goes and sees lois and john and you know they all fly off together and really nice little story um hopefully augurs more dc work from mark wade we still don't know who's gonna be writing the superman comics after future state it would be really nice if mark wade could get um one or both of those books i mean he could do like bendis and have him write both and sort of like coordinate between the two um yeah or give one of them i mean we've been saying that tom taylor would be would kill it with the superman book so i mean if it was tom taylor and mark wade writing the superman books i would i would love that um or at least if they're going to do a third superman book and have it be an anthology like the new batman book they announced right um have mark wade do one of the one of the monthly stories in the anthology at least it's something anyway it was really good um this is the kind of stuff that i like it's just the characters standing around talking and you know a lot of great little character moments and and i really liked it yeah that was a good choice so should we talk about our shows yes so we've got the mandalorian chapter 15 the believer and star trek discovery terra firma part one. Oh, so the mandalorian man. this was the penultimate episode of the season kind of another i guess you could say kind of like another side quest story where it's like we're not going up against the empire trying to get yeah, the child back you have we've to got to put get, it into a bucket but we've yes got, we've got to get well there's like there's sort of almost two kinds of mandalorian episodes right there's, side there's, quest there's, main quest side yeah, quest yeah. main quest sure it's like oh we got to get the guy that's going to help us get to the bad guy not yep. let's get after the bad guy right right um, but still so good yeah but this is really good there's, there's more great boba fett stuff in here in here Car- uh, Dune gets more to do mm-hmm. um i guess the two main things are we actually uh he actually has to take his helmet off for an extended period of time. Unbelievable. That was set up really well, but you think he's going to have to do it earlier on in the episode, but then he kind of finds a way to cheat around it. And then ultimately it gets to the point where he has no other choice. He has no choice. Um, And he doesn't even, he doesn't even like, there's like, he's surrounded by the enemy too. It's not like he gets to do it. It's like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, I'm surrounded by other Mandalorians or Grief Karga is here who I like or whatever. It's like, no, he's surrounded by Imperials, right? Right. He's got to do it. I thought that Pedro Pascal did a really great job. You can see he's like, he's like, 
freaking out yeah. for the entire time. He's like basically yeah. having a slow panic attack. Yeah. He's like, and he can't like he can't answer people when they talk to him. Like he's just like, get me out of here, get me out of here. Yeah, I'm freaking out. He's right. Like completely vulnerable and exposed. Yeah. Like, in- exposed. Um. Just spiritually. <laughs> and I thought that the character bring back the character of Mayfeld, who was like everybody's fifth favorite character from their <laughs> yeah. least favorite episode last season yeah um but here i thought he was really good i thought he was this great. Was, this is really great he got a nice little character arc um you learn a lot more about him you get the f- great scene probably Amazing. one of the best scenes in the show so far is the scene where he he and uh, the mandalorian are sitting are with the imperial drink. commander at the table and he's boasting about the empire and how great operation cinder was and mm-hmm. how they're going to throw the galaxy into chaos and how it does all the people who died died gloriously for the empire right. and here is mayfeld sort of steaming because all of his buddies were wiped out by their own side right as part of operation cinder along with all the civilians they were there to people who quote unquote protect right and the innocent people like he saw innocent people die and he's like how's oh, death working out for them and he's just you oh man his his performance for that was so good like i was really drawn into the it's moment. like is it he gonna you so knew good. something was gonna happen but it's like is the twist he gonna be that to he, he actually manages to clamp it down or uh-huh. is he actually going to blow up at the guy right? yeah really good that yeah. scene too that was so great you see a stormtrooper just grabbing his lunch and he just kind of freezes yeah. when this all goes down it's so but, good but he, he took this character from one that i don't think oh. anybody wanted to see again to one that i i would like i wouldn't mind seeing again in a recurring capacity yeah, if he shows too. up more next season or like in a supporting role and like this marshals of the new republic like yep. i was saying i kind of felt like <laughs> they were setting him up to be like cara dunes like not necessarily deputy, but maybe like informant slash reluctant. Yes. Um, com- you know, reluctant helper kind of thing. Like maybe, she, maybe this is the guy she has to keep, like the local snitch that she keeps coming back to because he knows about all the right. Imperial stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him more in a supporting role in future Mandalorian seasons or in like this Marshals of the New Republic series, for example, That'd or wherever else they I want. I wouldn't peg him as a an, an unwilling informant. I think he's picked a side. This episode was him definitely like picking a side. When he blows up yeah, but the he, Rubidium But he also doesn't want to be involved in this stuff. No. He wants to just go off and not necessarily lead a peaceful life, but not be involved with these people anymore because they're going to get him killed. Right. You know? It doesn't matter. Live your best sleep. Uh, live your best life. He had some good speeches in this one too. Like he was philosophizing about, um, you know, where where's the line? Where are people's ethics? Well, and, and how, he's right. How are I mean, we this, all different? This We're is not the whole, different. This seems this to be great. the whole theme they're setting up with the Mandalorian this season is you know all the lines that he's drawn for himself as far as like what a true Mandalorian is and how they comport themselves he's had to he's seen that other people that he interacts with like Bo-Katan or or Boba Fett are managed to be perfectly or or even Cobb Vanth who wasn't Mandalorian but was wearing Boba Fett's armor managed to comport themselves in ways that earn his respect as Mandalorians yes but don't adhere to any of the same rules that he does right right they're just honorable people right and so we've seen his sort of his code be questioned and now he's having to like cross lines that he never thought he would have to cross yeah um yeah. in service of saving the child yeah and yeah and, and that's the whole thing and and mayfeld is like oh you know we're all just people and everybody has lines but everybody crosses their lines when push yeah. comes to shove all that matters is that you can get through the day and like sleep soundly at night and stuff yeah. and, and he was sort of saying it in a cynical like, ah, there's not much point believing in anything or picking a side because everybody's just everybody and every government is horrible and it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. Where, but the 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 kernel of what he's saying, which is that, you know, everybody's willing to cross their lines for something is sort of thematically the same thing that yeah. The Mandalorian is going through, yeah. although from a much more honorable, protective instinct rather yes. than like a cynical, screw the world 
I'm, I'm not going to help yeah. perspective. And, but even he like was saying that, he, and it sounded kind of haunted, you know, like you have to do whatever, you know, you, you'll wind up crossing some lines, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to sleep at night. And, <laughs> and then he blows up the, um, he blows up the rubidium, effectively destroying the entire base um, that they just escaped from. And he says, I was just getting some stuff off my chest. And then he sort of caps it with that, with a callback to that speech, a callback to that line and says, hey, whatever helps you sleep at night. Um, and I think that he felt, it's funny because like, it, maybe it's me projecting, but I felt like his performance for that line, like a hint of a smile as if he found a little bit of peace from that enclosure, from, from those events. Well, I think from shooting that, that guy probably helped too. <laughs> that was definitely good that closure. Was literally, <laughs> as, that unlikely, was his, as unlikely as it seems, that was literally his commanding officer the commanding from officer that, that traumatic yeah, incident. Basically so. killed That's his, just bad luck. all of his buddies, his entire company and everybody that they were protecting. Yeah, it's crazy um, to be faced with that person. He literally couldn't do it. I love the moment also when he hands Mando back his uh, helmet and he oh, says, yeah. you know, you did what you had to do. You know, I'll, I never saw your face. And it, that line read was so good and it was just so like well he's trying to be comforting but i don't think that comforted the man i mean no. he'd probably feel yes he'd probably feel worse if mayfeld like blabbed everybody oh man he totally took off his helmet and was yeah. free like that would be worse yeah but it's not really going to help the mandalorian that much. he right, still feels like he, he still feels like he betrayed his code regardless he, of what this guy says that it, he doesn't even like you i know? know but he was still trying to be comforting and he was really yeah being classy it was nice for mayfeld i don't think it really helped the mandalorian no i don't think so either but i think that it was an important thing like he already did it he rang that bell like he can't unring it but um and he did it for the for the right reasons he wanted to save the child um and i love the capper scene at the end there because they had the element of surprise but mando probably and i was like why did they spoil the element of surprise and you gave came up with a really good answer which is that he probably has a plan um but the scene itself was really powerful and so cathartic it's like i'm coming for you you don't understand and then he what i didn't realize was that he was throwing the words back at him yeah, the entire message did not know not just one part of it but the entire message was basically word, word for, for word, word gideon's speech from when he had them trapped in that saloon at the end of season one <sighs> so with a couple good. of substitutions like he calls the child he instead of it yep and th things like that but yeah yep. it's basically word for word the same speech so yeah oh it's beautiful so yeah this episode was one of my favorites this season really yeah um i loved it okay so star, trek, else I could star say. trek discovery terraforma part one yeah so the sort of two halves to this, although I'm not sure running time wise if it breaks up to be 50-50, but there's the sequence in, you know, with all of our regular characters um, where they decide that, you know, we've got to take Giorgio to this planet because yep. it's, there's like a 5% chance that there's someone or something there that can help her. She's disintegrating because she's from a different time and, and a, different a different universe. universe yeah. um, they get there. They they find um, <laughs> they find Captain Brass from CSI. He's He's got a hat. He's sitting in a chair. He's What's reading his name? a newspaper. His name is Carl, but... Uh, Carl. Paul, 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 Paul Guilfoyle is the, Guilfoyle. the actor's name. He was in like 15 seasons of CSI as like the... Because they were all like... They were... The science, they were the the lab guys, right? They were sure. the, even though they kind of comported themselves like cops. They were the forensic team, right? He sure. was the cop. He was the police captain. Okay. That would he'd be always be the guy waiting for them at the crime scene with okay. his with his officers. Like they lock down the scene, and he's like he chats with the mm -hmm. CSIs, and then if someone needs to be arrested, he'll go off and do it. Like and all the CSI shows, there's always a cop. Sure. Who is like the cop character, and yep. then there's the scientist, right? Yep. Yep. And he was the cop guy, and he plays a really good like hard nose but with heart of gold kind of cop character yeah. i imagine he's played and a here lot of cops he played and a really amazing flighty mysterious figure who probably is going to be wind up being yeah everybody's like is carl spelt is carl spelt with a q maybe <laughs> um 
But no, I think it's more like, I don't know if they're going to, I almost would rather they didn't spell it out, but it really seems more likely that he's kind of like a guardian of forever, guardian of eternity, whatever you call it, um, from the... um, like in the City, name, City on the Edge of Forever, forever episode yeah. of TOS, like the people that made that those. That was such a good episode. Made, they, so they got to go through a door and the door transports them to another place time. in time. Mm-hmm. So it's similar. He seems like he knows everything. The newspaper he was reading had references to Edith Keeler and, and other places and, and things yeah, from that episode. Stream, yeah. But it also had references to other episodes from other Star Trek series. Yeah. So that could yeah. just be a red herring. Somebody, Who knows? Yeah, Worf won a battle or something. I don't know. Yeah, the one that the the contest that he won from uh, from from the parallels episode, and there was a reference to some other plan. So there's a bunch of different like. Easter and it was eggs also dated tomorrow, which is kind of all over the place as well, because it's yeah. like for all of these events being. So covered that in that the raises paper. interesting questions. Yeah. But then Giorgio steps through the door, and she's back in the mirror universe, but not the mirror universe now, which is say not. The thirty-second mirror unit, thirty-second century mirror universe. Not even the mirror universe when she left it, but the mirror universe like a few months or years before she left it. Yep. Right when things started to go bad for her. Yeah. So they're commissioning her new flagship thing, but this is right when Burnham and Lorca are about to conspire against her yeah. and betray the day her. They were going to And she's forced to kill Burnham, and Lorca and is thought dead, but he's actually sent to our universe, and that's where he, you know, all right. season one of Discovery starts. Um, but what's interesting, I think it was done really well because, I mean, it's fun to see the actors play like evil, sadistic, sort of sneering, hissing, villainous versions of their characters with it. way too much makeup and <laughs> evil suits and weird hairstyles. Oh, the evil suits, so good. And all the evil games, too. Like some of uh, some of the games. Yeah, they've the, got like a little handheld agonizer mm-hmm. that they're like zapping each other with. And the first um, one to lose buys drinks, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think that what's cool is that, so Giorgio is a character that, the way they've used her the past couple of seasons, like she's cool in action sequences yeah. and she shows up and she has like an occasional quip or I love cutting it. remark Diplomacy or whatever. Diplomacy takes too but long. <laughs> for me, it's been wearing a little thin because it's like, like either like... The last few episodes have been very interesting for her character. But she's been kind of one note for a while because yeah. yes, she's, there's been slow moments of development or camaraderie or whatever, but they largely play the same notes with her. She's either like the badass martial artist character who come in comes in and clears Saves, the room yep. Or she's saying something evil, like "Oh, I'm I want to boil right. your children," or like just <laughs> just keep hitting the same note over and over, right? It seems sure. it seems to me, and largely I think that that's true. But I think, but there have been little moments of character growth for her. But they seem they're fleeting, and then she's back to being. And yeah. you could say a lot of it, especially once she started having these medical issues, yeah. a lot of it is like a defense mechanism. Yes. Like she's raging against the world, or she's trying to bring everybody down with her, or whatever. I'm right? glad they represented that because there's yeah. But that's, again, it just gives nice. you more of the same. Yeah. I think they really... Well, that's I think, true, I think but they played they, it up. But I love the way she played it too because you can tell the difference between when she means it and when she kind of... But what when I, she's lashing out. What I think is cool is that oh, I, to, really to me, they push it as far as they can go where it's like, okay, yes. like... These people are trying to help you. You're dying and you're still being the same pain in the ass. Like, I am I feel like I'm kind of like, why are they... You're, they push me right to the point where I'm like, the hell with her. You know, like, don't even bother with her anymore. Okay. She's such a, you don't belong I, in that... In but, the I, but I feel like they, they wanted the audience to get to the point where they're like, is she even... Did she learn anything? Yeah. Because she's being just as terrible to them as she was two years ago, right? right? Yeah. I feel like they want to get the audience right to that point and then they pull the rug out from under everybody because they take her to the mirror universe and now... Mm-hmm contrasted with all the people there yeah she seems almost good almost like a good person (laughs) and so the question is the question is was she always a little less bad than she's presented herself as Mm -hmm. because the whole reason why 
the self-professed reason, at least, whether she's being honest about it, who knows, about why Mirror Michael is staging this whole insurrection mm-hmm. is because Giorgio has been coming across as too soft, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Was there any truth to that? If so, maybe she's never been quite the fully evil emperor, emperor that we that, thought she that was. she yeah. claimed to be and that everybody said she was, right? Yeah. yeah. Or, so maybe there's, there's probably a little of column A, a little of column B. Like, is that fully it? Or is it that, like the time she spent in the Prime Universe now has has softened her? Because I think she goes back there and she's like, yeah, I thought this is what I wanted. It's very much like an It's a Wonderful Life kind of mm-hmm. thing. Or I think of a bunch of other examples where, oh, you think you want to live X life? Well, this all-powerful being will snap his fingers and show you that life wouldn't be quite so good after all. Yep. Come back, Zinc. Come back. Like, it's like, <laughs> like that kind of thing, right? Um, but because now she's like, oh, I thought I missed my Michael, but my Michael was actually kind of crazy and terrible. And yeah. maybe I like prime michael more like she doesn't quite want to admit it to herself because that would almost be like a betrayal to this woman who was like a daughter to her yeah yeah but she's like seeing it now with fresh eyes and seeing that it doesn't have to be this way yeah it's not quite the total reversal that mirror spock had in that one in the first episode where by the end of it yes you're right kirk i'm going to change my entire civilization yeah um but it's more it's more subtle. And so I, I like that. It's like, yeah, she changed more than she thought she had, but maybe she her heart was never like fully in in it to begin with, right? Right. And I don't think she's gonna be like, so where are they going from here? Are they gonna like leave her there and she's going to decide to upend Terran society and make it better? Well, probably not, because we know that about ten ten years after this, we get to the original mirror episode of TOS and it was still a terrible ter- terrible empire. Yep. It took mm-hmm. Spock to change everything. So Probably not. If this is even real, yeah. it could just be Carl, like a little bubble universe or a dream. Or it's like it's like tapestry, right? It's like the TNG episode tapestry. Did did Q really send Picard back to his academy days? Right. Probably not. No. It was probably just like a simulation. Yeah, like some yeah. some Q manifested reality little, that was, right. that existed for for forty five minutes and then stopped existing. Right. right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's something like that. Because otherwise, because so she starts change about, things yep. and it completely retcons the yep. first few seasons of Discovery. Because yeah. stuff that happened to our characters once they travel to the Mirror Universe would be affected by this. Right. Not to mention, if Mirror Lorca never gets sent to the Prime Universe, then Discovery doesn't happen, right? You would have no captain for that first season, yes. right? Yeah. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think that this is a way of showing her, you know, teaching her a lesson, basically. And it ends with her because she's dying. She's still dying. I don't think this is going to cure that. Mm-mm. But we know they're setting up a Section 31 show. Presumably that's still happening. So I think one of the two ways to save her is either to send her back to the Terran universe permanently or to send her back in time. And I think she's going to be like, you know what? I don't really belong here anymore, but I still want to like do crazy martial arts and be a bit of a badass. So send me back to the... 23rd century yeah. so i can go back to my section 31 buddies where i can do kind of evil stuff but not totally evil right and then still do a lot of like really high kicks right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because she's like because uh, you know i've heard people say this on podcasts and i was like she likes the idea of being an emperor but i think in retrospect it was like it was so much work everybody kind of hinted at everybody it was always trying to assassinate yeah. me i could never i could never relax because everybody is always out to get you over there and when that's all you know that's mm-hmm. one thing but once you see there's another way yeah. you don't necessarily want to sign up and be part of starfleet rah rah everybody kumbaya anymore right but you, maybe you don't want people trying to constantly assassinate you anymore right yeah, yeah. so go back be with section 31 where there's like mild cases mild of... backstabbing right not like constant backstabbing not like constant right? day and night threats yeah. yeah you have the occasional 
um, uh, mission, dangerous mission. William and, Sadler. Sure. But you never have like psycho mirror Burnham trying it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because Sloan from Deep Space Nine was kind of skeezy and underhanded, yes. but he wasn't evil, right? He wasn't trying to like assassinate Cisco or Bashir. Right. He was just like, yeah, I've got my stuff I'm doing over here. Stay out of my way because I'm doing it for your own good, right? Because yep. I'm necessary for, to keep the Federation running, yep. right? Yep. So like that's the level of amorality. She wants to be amoral. She doesn't really want to be immoral anymore, right. you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's where they're going. So I think that she's going to learn a valuable lesson. Yep. Um, she's going to, Carl's going to bring her back through the door. Maybe she never comes back through the door. Maybe Burnham never sees her again. Carl just sends her from this pocket universe or whatever back to the 23rd century. Yep. Where she can team up with Tyler and everybody back in section, back in section 31. And, and that's the last, the last we see of her. Yep. I, I would kind of like it if like. We don't need another, I don't need another like 10 minute tearful Burnham goodbye scene necessarily. Yep. Like she and Giorgio, like they had their thing, right? You know, they kind of said their goodbyes to the extent that, you know, Giorgio is really capable of saying, I mean, she literally hugged, who was it? Did Tilly hug her, right? And she yeah. even had like a moment of mutual respect with Saru. Yeah. Um, I think you've gotten all the goodbyes you need from her. Just send, you know, have her yeah, she go did back get a good, I think here, that's why they had that scene where even it. the doctor was being like, you're a pain in the butt, but I hope you do well. Um, and all that stuff like they they had the whole you know let's get everybody more or less important into group group hug with her and then say the goodbyes because this is goodbye i think they did it did yeah. it just she right because she's not the she one she disappears for, from there right. burnham standing with carl in the snow the door disintegrates or something or something and burnham's like what happened is yeah. she you know is she is she gone is she okay and carl's like Oh, she's okay, but she's just not coming back, you know. And right. then he disappears, and Burnham and like, oh, they're they they're left to wonder what did happen to her, and you know, yeah, you know. And but we, the audience, then we maybe we see one more. Maybe we don't know either. Yeah. And maybe we don't see where she goes. We have to wait two years for the spinoff or whatever. Or maybe we see a moment <laughs> where she appears back in time, right? And Tyler's there or something, or we oh, we see the Enterprise, or we're like, oh, she's back. And I mean, she'd be it'd be interesting to have her go back and give word that everything worked out. But okay. that's because that raises all sorts of other issues, right? Because they can't. No. They wouldn't want her to change history necessarily, even no. though it's a pretty crummy future they're in. They, it's their future now, and they wouldn't want her to change it. So I think hopefully she would keep her mouth shut. Yeah, she's not gonna be like, oh yeah, guys, in nine hundred years, totally watch out for this burn thing, right? Like, yeah. that yeah. would cause all sorts of problems. Yeah, but if she's missing, if she's still, because the thing is, there's the reason why they can't go back. There's a lot of reasons why they can't go back in time. But if they go back in time and she's still presumed dead with the rest of Discovery, yeah, and she's like. She just lives as persona non grata as part of Section 31, and she's yeah. never, like, legally alive anymore. Yeah. There's no one to give interviews to or to be debriefed by. Yeah, maybe yeah. she tells other people in Section 31. Maybe, maybe that's part of the premise for the Section 31 show, is she tells them, and they secretly try to do maneuvering to try to, like, set things in motion so that the burn never happens or something. Maybe that's part of the premise. But then you kind of you feel like that and Discovery are kind of working it cross purposes because like oh are we hoping that they yeah undo the, that they undo well, the other the show thing. or here's the clever thing oh man this kind of sets up another tasty opportunity so here's my idea here's my pitch they don't try to outright undo that because that would go against the whole time traveling whatever and they know that section 31 is actually out i mean they may be a shady organization but they're trying to preserve the timeline even if that means doing uh, well they're not they don't care about preserving I mean, the timeline. Time, they're trying sure. to preserve the federation and this is this would, this would be like mission here's number what one this thing though here's what it is what if they know that they can't avoid the burn per se but they can plant some seeds to 
help Discovery like find certain clues or whatever Maybe. to recover. But I, I'm not sure you want um, now that I now that I say it out loud. I'm not sure you want the mission statement for one of your new shows to be about to help out another supporting show. the other show. I mean, you that's want fair. them to be off doing their own independent adventures. Yeah, you do because they can't do much about it anyway. And Section 31 probably doesn't even exist in this in in 900 years uh, in the future. Well, there's also the speculation that maybe Giorgio stays in the 32nd century and she helps found a new... Because this new federation or this, you know, smaller federation that's going to presumably become, start growing again at the end, it might she might be like, oh, this new federation is going to need something like Section 31 to safeguard it now more than ever. And she starts... But then they'd have to cure her of her medical thing, which, which does It really seems like this medical thing was contrived to be like, a we've, we've got to, to have a reason back. to send her back in time, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. That's what it seems like. Because, I mean, Section 31 is technically still on the books. Like, there's nothing that you read that says that it's not happening, right? I think that Kurtzman has even mentioned in recent interviews, I don't think it's next on the docket. I think Strange New Worlds and Picard Season 2 are the next things that are going to film. But I think that... um, I think that if they hadn't been for COVID, they would have be, they would be filming it like it would be in production right now. Uh-huh. I think the plan was to go straight from season three of Discovery into filming section three for, for Michelle Yeoh to go straight from one into the other. Yeah. But now they're filming season four of Discovery and section 31 hasn't even gotten off the ground yet. But right, I still right. think it's the plan for it to happen. But I think it's been pushed back a bit for like another year or two until some of these other shows get their new seasons. We filmed. will I, see. Because yeah. it's. There's a lot of overlap in the production teams between the shows. I don't think that they, they want to be shooting three Star Trek shows at the same time. No, they probably don't. <laughs> Although it wouldn't be unprecedented. I mean, there was a while there in the 90s when they were shooting two TV series and, right, a, movie at, and a movie had, at the same oh, time. They were able to hire lots and lots of cast and crew members, crew members especially, so that they could make that happen. Like they had multiple directors on. on. Although poor poor Ron, Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Bragg are writing All Good Things and Generations basically at the, at same, the same time. time. You've got to write the season, you've got to write the two-hour series finale of Next Gen and the first Next Gen movie. Yeah. Basically simultaneously and you have whatever they had less than a year. Like you've got six months or something. I mean, you don't have six months to write any episode of TV. Yeah. You've got two weeks to write this episode of TV. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got a couple more months to write this movie. Yep. And that, but you've got to do it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. And that's how know. you end up with Star Trek Generations. Well, but you also end up with well, all good things. So yeah. that was the thing is that they say... They say, even say in the audio commentary for Star Trek Generations, yeah, we probably should have used the All Good Things plot for the movie because it ended up being a much better story anyway. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah. So if you have anything to add, we have an email address, mailbag at how you say, oh, nope, Um Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. Uh, on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. Um, how about a flying bird? Ooh. <laughs>